Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Ask Shane Anything. Now I'll say this, it's kind of a little bit of a law for game releases right now. There's not really a huge game that came out in the last like week, week and a half, unless you're playing some Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. Um, but generally, you might have some free time this weekend. So after you watch Ask Shane Anything, maybe it's a good idea to go outside and do something fun outside. <laughs> I know that may sound crazy. I'm just trying to keep you all balanced if you can. Uh, now, this show is a reward for those of you who pledge at $7 or more per month. Now, everyone does get to watch the archive, but when I'm picking questions for this show, if I have two questions that I'm kind of waffling on, I do tend to pick the one that is pledging at that $7 or more per month. But anyway, really appreciate everybody who contributes anything to our Patreon at patreon.com sifted. You guys are awesome. I hope you guys have had a good week, and I hope you have an awesome weekend. But first, let's get to some awesome questions. All right, our first question for this week's episode comes from Kevin Holdsworth. Hey Shane, Nintendo has often designed its consoles and products using the philosophy lateral thinking with withered technology. I've actually never heard that before. Uh, if you had to sum up the product design philosophy for Sony or Microsoft's hardware in a similar catchphrase, what would you say? <laughs> Again, I've never heard Nintendo's design philosophy described that way. I don't know if Nintendo said that at some point. I've never seen it. I've heard Nintendo say Blue Ocean strategy a ton of times, which basically just means that they try to drive innovation wherever, wherever it can. Uh, but I haven't heard this, but this is a fun question, so I'm going to play along. Uh, let's see. For PlayStation, I guess I would say... Why invest money in new ideas when you can just steal them? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, people. Can you think of much innovation on the part of PlayStation? I think disc-based console is probably the biggest innovation that PlayStation has ever accomplished on its own. But if you look back at all the other stuff that PlayStation has done since then, it has just been me too. They basically just watch Nintendo. They let Nintendo try all the crazy stuff. They figure out what works, and then they just pick up on it and do the same thing. Or sometimes they do try to improve it at least. But you can go back to, like, the analog stick. Um, motion controls with PlayStation Move. It's just been one copycat scenario after another for PlayStation. But it's hard to argue with the results. I mean... I'll just be honest with you, it doesn't seem like most of you care who actually does the innovation. You just want to play games that you love to play. I can't fault you for that. Um, let's see, Microsoft. Mm, I guess I would say the first thing that came to mind was like, just brute force it. But maybe the better one is money can fix it. Because... <laughs> As we all know, Microsoft has enough money to make mistakes over and over again and still do just fine. Um, and then the brute force comment comes from, it feels like Microsoft has always felt that just having the most powerful console was good enough. Um, and it hasn't been good enough generally. Um, obviously the Xbox, the first Xbox was the most powerful of its gen. And then 360, I think, kind of was, although the PlayStation 3 architecture, if you really worked on it, I think you could maybe get slightly better results than Xbox 360. And then Xbox One, it just dropped the ball completely, but then it came back almost immediately with the Xbox One X, which, as you remember, for the time, was the most powerful console on the market. And as it were, it did kind of swing the fortunes of Xbox One at that point. It started doing a little better. So 
that's the thing. I think Sony is the copycat. I think Microsoft throws the money at the problem. <laughs> Next up, we have a question from Pain of Demise. With the recent review bombing of Starfield, what are your thoughts on review bombing? Do you think it serves as a good way for people to voice their displeasure with the game in hopes of some changes, or do you think it just does more harm than good and, ward and wards people off from experiencing th something good just because a vocal minority is, ha is unhappy with something? Okay, this is a multi-layered question, or a response anyway. My response is multi-layered because I don't think this is cut and dry. I don't think you can just say review bombing is this and then that's it. I think there's conditions here. Um, first of all, I would just say in general, I hate review bombing. Um, I think it's generally usually a tool by immature people and I would argue mostly fanboys. Um, the review bombs on Steam, my guess, and again, I'm just guessing, my guess is that 80% of those are just Sony ponies going to Steam to lower the review score of an Xbox exclusive, a big Xbox exclusive. I had kind of forgotten about fanboys and console wars because, let's be honest, if you're on Sifted a lot, like, you're kind of insulated from that stuff. Like, there isn't a lot of fanboyism. Although I will say, over the last, like, six months or so, I've seen some of you guys' fanboy slip start to show a little bit. I'll be honest. Like, I've been kind of surprised at some of the stuff I've seen on the site over the last six to 12 months. So we're not immune to it is what I'm getting at. There are people on Sifted who are adults who still are fanboys. So I honestly think a lot of the negative behavior by gamers online is driven by fanboyism. Um, and I think a lot of the review bombing that happens is driven by fanboys, people who are trying to make a product look worse than it really is. And it happens on both sides. Don't think I'm singling out PlayStation fanboys. Your question is about Starfield. So generally, I would just say I feel like it's really immature and something that like eight to like 13 year old boys and girls should be doing, not something that adults should be doing. And certainly by the time you're in your mid twenties, if you're still fanboying out, like get a grip. <laughs> Seriously, man, like get a grip. So I do think a lot of that stuff is driven by it. Now, to your other point, um, can it be a useful tool? I think it can be. I mean, it is one way to send a message to developers without terrorizing them on social media. However, I would argue probably the more effective way, the more direct way, and if you handle it like an adult, the better way is to reach out to them on social media and not be a jerk and not be a douchebag and call them names or whatever, or say you ripped me off but offer constructive criticism and maybe even offer a way that they could change it to make it better. Be an adult. Like, I really feel like, you know, in the last few years, like my perception of the general gamer has really changed. Like I used to be really optimistic about gamers. People would trash them and I would always stand up for them. I'll be honest with you, the last like few years, I feel like a lot of the stereotypes about a lot of gamers have turned out to be true and it hurts my heart. I'll be honest with you, Coming to that realization hurt. And so I really think just a lot of negative behavior in general are driven by these immature gamers who just need to grow the F up. Let's be honest, man. Now I get, look, there are a lot of gamers who are eight to 13 years old. We all acted like idiots when we were that age. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who are adults who act like eight to 13 year old kids. So again, I think review bombing is an immature way to go about trying to send a message, although I agree it can send a message. Um, but I think the better way to do it, honestly, is either just don't buy the game because that's the best message you can send with, as I always say, bet with your wallet. Just don't buy the game. Don't support the game. But if you do support the game and you want to enjoy the game, then be an adult about it and approach the developers on social media and act like an adult. If you do that, 
I think one, they would take your your feedback to heart. It's when you guys attack developers. And I I think review bombing is just another form of attacking developers. When you do that, you put somebody on the defensive. It's just psychology 101. You attack somebody, it changes how they react to you. So if you're really into this for improving the game, which I really doubt the vast majority of people who review bomb Starfield are concerned about improving the game. But if you are, there's much better ways to go about it. Next up, we have a question from AJ the Legend. As someone who is in the same area code age-wise, I'll be 50 in October, do you still feel in touch with the younger generation of gamers? Do you believe the younger crowd still appreciates the perspective of gamers, our ages, or do they feel our opinions are not valid and value the perspective of influencers more? Okay, again, I don't think this is a cut and dried topic. I think there's certain segments of people that look at things a little differently. But the first thing I would say is like, um, do I still feel in touch with the younger game? I do, I actually do, because we're playing the same stuff. And generally, we agree on what is a good video game and what is a bad video game. So I do still feel connected. Uh, again, I've talked many times about how I have my nephew here for about two weeks, and I really got to see the perspective of the younger gamer. He's like 11 years old. And I do feel like they play games differently than older players do. Um, I don't know if they all have ADHD or whatever, but it does feel like their attention spans, they can't stay focused on one game for a really long time. Again, anecdotally, when I was flying back from my little vacation, I was sitting behind someone, a younger, like 11 or 12 year old girl who was playing games on her phone, and she would play each game for like 30 seconds and then swap to the next game and play that for 30 seconds. And it like blew my mind. So I do feel like they play games a little bit differently. I don't know that they have or the want or the ability to focus on a single thing as long as maybe older players do. But yes, I absolutely do still feel connected to them because they love games just as much as we do. Um, now to your point about, do they respect us? Do they respect the opinions of older people? No, I, I don't think they do at all. And I don't think it's just with gaming. I just generally think the younger audience thinks anybody who's over the age of 30 is an idiot. Like. I remember when I was that age, um, and it was obviously a different time, um, but I remember when I was that age, I did respect my elders, and it was taught to me by my parents that you should respect people who are older than you. They know more than you, and I just accepted it because they're my parents, and your parents can brainwash you, and that's what happened, so I just believed that people older than me knew more than me, and I respected them, and I showed them respect. I honestly feel like that has all gone away. And I'm not going to go into why that has happened. I'm not going to get into like the psychology of our society and all that stuff. It's just not worth it. But I do feel like there is a lack of respect for older people among the younger generations now. I mean, there was never a catchphrase when I was in my teens that we used to make fun of people who were older than us. Like the generation now uses OK Boomer. Like, they use that to describe people who are, like, over 27 years old. Like, it's not, it's not like, my parents who are the real boomers. Like, my mom is a boomer. Um, and your moms, they're boomers. Your dad is a boomer. We're not the boomer generation. We're Generation X. But they use that to describe anybody who, I believe, disagrees with them who is even, like, 10 years older than them. And that was not a thing when I was a teenager. Like, we just... We just respected our elders way more. That's just the truth. So 
I feel like they look at us like we're clueless and we don't know. I think a lot of them assume that we grew up without computers and stuff, which again is total BS. If you're Gen X, you were the first generation to grow up with computers and technology. Um, so, but I think that's what they assume, that we don't know what we're talking about, that we're delusional or that we're old and we're cranky or whatever. Um, so no, I don't think that they do respect our opinion at all. And I think you can see it in like the response to Sifted. You know, Sifted is, uh, something that I launched from the beginning to be something for older players who don't want to have to deal with a bunch of the young kids who act like maniacs. And the kids don't care. <laughs> like, they don't care about Sifted at all. Like, we really have, like, zero young audience for Sifted. Um, and usually when they do roll in, like, they're fanboys and they realize very quickly that we are not, and we don't play that, and they feel like they're not connected to Sifted, and they go off and they find somebody else who is a fanboy. So, yes, um, I do feel like the kids are disrespectful to older people, and we weren't when we were younger. Uh, my mom, <laughs> if I disrespected an elder, when I was a kid, my mom would smack me. Like, that's just the way it was back then, and it's just not that way anymore. So, it's it's a little disappointing, but the one thing I will say is that, like, eventually, they will become us. They will become older, wiser. They will start to see, like, hey, maybe somebody who's done this for a while is a better person to trust than someone who's done it for a week and has rich parents who bought them a crazy webcam and all their streaming setup. But for now, I think what happens is they look at the people, and they want to surround themselves with people they can relate to. Can a 13-year-old kid relate to me? Probably not. I totally get that. So again, it's a it's a multi-layered question and a great question and also a multi-layered answer. All right, our last question for this week's episode, I'll give you one guess who it's from, is from Kevin. Super Mario Brothers Wonder and Marvel Spider-Man 2 release the same day, and what a glorious day it will be. Which one do you think will score best and which one will sell best? Another great question. You guys just keep them coming. Um, okay, so that is an awesome day for video game releases, both of those days, both of those games. Now, what I'll say personally is that I'm going to play Marvel Spider-Man 2. <laughs> like, I talk about, I've talked about this a lot over the last couple of years about how I'm older now and a big part of my job in evaluating games is forgetting that I'm old and trying to forget that I've played like 50 2D Mario games at this point in my career and try to approach each game as a brand new thing and kind of wipe the mental slate clean before I evaluate it. Um, so that's something that I'm dealing with as an older person who's played a ton of games and is evaluating games for other people. Um, so me personally, I'm going to be playing Marvel Spider-Man 2. When I finish that, then I'll move on to Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Now, I'll admit, Super Mario Brothers Wonder hasn't really caught my eye. Now, I realize there's a ton of people who are really excited about the elephant power-up and... Nintendo always manages to find some meme-worthy thing in their games. Like, I feel like the elephant is the equivalent of the Death Stare from the Ouija. Like, they always, there's always something. And part of it is the fans, like, they find this little nugget and they pick it up and then they run with it and everyone follows them and, and it turns into a thing. The elephant thing for me is not making an impact. I guess I'll just say it that way. I do like the art style and I think the graphics look amazing. It's easily the best looking 2D Mario game ever. Um, Nintendo all just also just released a uh, an overview trailer for Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and it really just lays out the whole game bare, and I think if you watch that, you'll have a really good idea of whether you should be excited for the game or not, and I watched that, and again, I, I struggle to find a lot that's new. Now, you can argue totally that Marvel Spider-Man 2 doesn't have a ton that's a whole lot different from prior Spider-Man games. I could probably get behind that. I do like the dual protagonist idea it's an open world game. I like that there's things happening in the open world that you can kind of just stumble upon. There's some stuff in there that does feel a little bit innovative, but 
at the end of the day, it is kind of derivative as well. Um, so my guess is older players will go for Spider-Man. The younger players are going to go for Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Now, um, which one do you think scores best with other critics? I'm guessing Marvel Spider-Man gets around a 9, 9.1. This is just a wild guess. I haven't played it, so don't think that, like, oh, Shane's playing it already, and he knows. Um, I think it's going to get around, like, a 9, a 9.1. 2D Mario games, they generally don't get over a 9. They usually get, like, mid to high 8s. So I'm going to say that Marvel Spider-Man 2 gets the higher aggregate review scores. Um, which one will sell best? Um, that's easy. Um, that is going to be Super Mario Brothers Wonder. And simply because it has a much huger install base to sell the game to. I mean, there's 120 million, 130 million Switches out there at this point. Um, and it's a 2D Mario game, which I don't need to remind you, always sell exceptionally well. Um, so I think sales-wise, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, I think, will mop the floor with Marvel Spider-Man 2. Now, I will say this, though. I think Spider-Man 2 will sell to a bigger percentage of the installed base on PlayStation 5 than Super Mario Bros. Wonder sells to the installed base on Switch. So my my guess is a penetration for PS5 for Spider-Man is going to be 30-40%. My guess for Super Mario Bros. Wonder will be around 15-20%, to 20%, something like that, which still means it's going to be gigantic sales. So that's how I would scope both of those out. But I guess what I would finish by saying is that, like, again... Buy an extra console. Stop buying schleppy, schleppy games for your one console. Like, don't buy, like, three of those or four of those, and then buy a Switch as your second console so you can play both. All right, that's it for Ask Shane Anything for this week. I hope you guys have had an excellent week, and I hope you guys have an awesome weekend plan. Again, I hope maybe you get outside and uh, touch some grass, as the kids say, <laughs> um, and have a good relaxing weekend. Maybe watch some NFL football or whatever you're into, but it's not a big game or a big weekend for game releases, and those are coming in October, so you have this little grace period here where you got a little bit of time. I recommend that you take it. Uh, once again, thanks to everybody, all our patrons. Thanks to all of you, but... Thanks especially to the people who are pledging at $7 or more per month. Those are the people. That's the engine that makes this show happen. Because, again, our Patreon total isn't where it's supposed to be for me to do this show. Um, but the faith that you guys show in this show, the views of this show, this show actually does more views than, like, Pactor Factor now, which is kind of crazy. Um, that's why I keep doing it. I really enjoy it. And, again, another awesome round of questions from you guys this week. So have a great weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday for Game Face.